0: This is ASHA Voices, I'm J.D. Gray. In honor of International Stuttering Awareness Day, we're republishing an episode from the Archive. This episode was first published in the days after President Biden was inaugurated, a time, our guests say, that stuttering was having a moment. That moment was spurred, at least in part, by the President's own experiences as a person who stutters, though he often refers to his stuttering as something he overcame, more on that later. The significance of that moment and the visibility it created led me to call Chris Constantino. Chris is an SLP and a faculty member at Florida State University, where he studies the experiences of people who stutter. I spoke with him just a few days before the inauguration. At the time, he said he thought it had the potential to be a very important time for stuttering because the moment was creating dialogue around the subject.
1: I was actually just having a conversation this morning with a client of mine and I was asking him how Biden's uh, guttering impacts how he's viewing his own and he was talking about how on one hand it's really nice to hear news media and social media and just all corners Talking about uh, stuttering.
0: Chris does point out, on the other hand, not all that media attention is positive. Chris says his client mentioned a clip where instances of Biden stumbling over his words were edited together.
1: And we're sort of using it to show that um, Biden doesn't know what he's talking about and he can barely put together a sentence and respond coherently. And I think that if you're a person who stutters and you're watching this, that could seem pretty brutal, right? If if somebody who's as successful as Biden is receiving this kind of treatment, um, what kind of treatment am I going to? received.
0: Chris stays optimistic. He says the attention stuttering is receiving can ultimately lead to positive conversations and greater public acceptance.
1: I I think any time a stigmatized characteristic is brought out into the fresh air, a lot of times people's initial reactions are going to be negative, but people have to voice those negative reactions before they can be challenged.
0: You may have noticed Chris is a person who stutters, and I wanted to know if this moment felt personal to him. He basically said because of his job, he hadn't thought about it on a personal level. He said he thought the moment should feel more personal. And then he shared this.
1: Now that you mention it and I reflect on it, I think it I think it is personal, I think especially as I think about my children, I have a son he's still really young, so he's not talking yet, and I intend on having more um, but there's a chance that they might uh better because it's genetic, and the idea that. The president of the United States is also a person who studies. I think that's really inspiring, um, and ho- hopefully can make life easier for those who come after us. I, I, I think one of the hardest things, like it's not something that's often talked about in public so it's it's out there, but it's just not very public and I think that the more people talk about it, that the easier it is for people to be open about it
0: we're taking Chris lead. Today, we're joined by an expert panel of SLPs to have a conversation about stuttering, about representation and visibility of people who stutter, and about how the experience of being a person who stutters varies from person to person. And later, we'll continue the conversation about the complicated nature of visibility and representation when we turn our attention to stuttering on screen and in the movies. This is Asha Voices. I'm J.D. Gray. Support for ASHA Voices comes from the ASHA Press. Looking for a captivating alphabet book to use in your therapy sessions to teach letter names and sounds, opposites, animal vocabulary, and more? Check out ASHA Press's new children's book, An Alphabet Pet Parade in Topsy-Turvy Town, population 26. Learn more at on.asha.org parade. For a conversation about stuttering, public perception, and identity, I'll be joined by three SLPs. Courtney Byrd is a professor at the University of Texas at Austin and the founding director of the Blank Center for Stuttering Education and Research. Derek Daniels is a faculty member at Wayne State University, and he's president of the Michigan Speech Language Hearing Association for the 2021-22 term. Derek himself stutters. Katie Gore is the founder of Speech IRL, a private practice in Chicago. Katie specializes in stuttering, and she's a founding board member of Shared Voices Chicago, a nonprofit helping people who stutter. We recorded our conversation the day before the inauguration. January 19th, 2021. Inspired by the conversation with Chris, I asked what this might mean for people who stutter. Derek speaks first.
2: I think this is a really great moment for people who stutter. Um, I think we rarely see images of people who stutter in the media. So the fact that uh, Joe Biden is going to be inaugurated as president of the United States and he is a person who stutters, I think it's really uh, nice for people who stutter to see what they can achieve.
3: Yeah, I think there there's two things that kind of jump out to me. Katie Gore. So one is, it seems like Joe Biden is being intentional about creating more disability for stuttering in particular, but also for disabilities in general. We saw that at the DNC event where there was a few folks who had communication disabilities, but very prominent feature of Brayton Harrington on the very last night of the DNC right before Joe Biden's own personal biography that really kind of put stuttering in this highlight. The other thing that I'm hearing from the community is I have had a lot more people come out to me as a person who stutters, just folks that I see completely outside of my context as a speech pathologist or somebody who's in the stuttering community. A lot of these are older adults, I would say middle-aged to older, who probably grew up in a time where stuttering was a little more stigmatized and, you know, have worked to be very covert. And they feel, seems a little more comfortable saying, hey, yeah, the president and I have that in common.
0: And that's a message that Biden has emphasized as well, is You can do anything, and he seems to be in some ways working against some of the stereotypes that a stutter would hold him back from an achievement like becoming president.
4: Right, and I would just like to add to what um, Derek and Katie shared.
0: Courtney Bird.
4: When we see so many adults who stutter and they often talk about what they would have done, they weren't a person who stutters, if they didn't stutter. And with our younger children and our older adults, we asked them to share what they wish people knew about stuttering. And something that really was special this year, as we look back four years ago, we had a note from a second grader who had written, I wish people knew that people who stutter are usually smarter and kinder than people who don't stutter and can even grow to be president one day. And at that point in time, you know, we hadn't had a president who had than a person who stutters, but we now do. And so the more that we can show people that you can do anything you want and still stutter on every word, I think that's going to further contribute to a sea change in the perspective of what it means to be someone who stutters.
0: Katie, on your blog for Speech IRL, you write that Joe Biden is, quote, an example of perseverance, not a speech measuring stick for all people who stutter. Why did you feel like that was an important thing to include in your blog post?
3: So visibility can be a little bit of a double-edged sword sometimes, um, particularly when you have celebrity representation. Um, So celebrities and people who have accomplished things are are wonderful for creating that visibility, you know, like Courtney's story about the second grader, you know, to see a, a president who stutters. But for the general public who may not be very familiar with whatever the true nature is of what that person is dealing with. We know that stuttering is so individualized, every disability is individualized, and every single person's experience of it is so individualized. But for someone who doesn't have a lot of awareness, they might look at Joe Biden and say, oh, this is how Joe Biden talks, therefore, you know, my second grader who stutters should also be able to talk just like him if they just work hard enough. Or even an adult looks at him and says, well, you know, he talks that way, or he lives his life that way, so I should do that too. I think about what it can be like to live with a stutter, as Joe Biden shares, and the perseverance. Um, and the struggle and the challenge that can go with it, but his particular path is not going to be the path for every person who stutters.
4: Well, and defining overcoming stuttering isn't being fluent. Yes. And, you know, you, you can hear even in some of the political ads where you hear him say, you can overcome it, I did too. So what does that mean? I think that when people are not knowledgeable about stuttering, they assume that that means you no longer stutter. But It certainly doesn't mean that, shouldn't mean that, but that's where it gets challenging when you have somebody in the public arena who is a person who stutters, but you're not seeing that stuttering overtly. And so there's an assumption that because they're not stuttering as much as maybe your child is or the person that you know in your everyday life who stutters, you think, why don't they sound like this person? And what is it that's different about what they're doing that's leading them to continue to stutter, but it doesn't seem like Joe Biden is actually stuttering.
0: Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Courtney, you distinguish between talking freely and talking fluently. And that's something I think you just alluded to. Could you expand on that a little bit?
4: I'm seeing more and more people join me in this perspective. I'm not claiming to initiate it because I think that certainly we could look back at Van Riper and he even alluded to this notion of learning how to talk without Spending the entirety of the time talking, thinking about whether or not you're going to stutter. And so, what we focus on with the children and the adults in our program is overall communication and how can they um, learn how to communicate competently and be engaged in the moment without thinking about whether or not they're going to stutter when they speak. It is what Chris Constantino refers to as a spontaneous disfluency. I mean, you're talking freely, you're engaging in the exchange, but you're not analyzing or measuring the quality of that exchange or what you will or won't say based on whether or not you're going to stutter. And I think it's also important that there's a evidence-based pathway to get to the space of effective communication such that people aren't clapping for the person who stutters because they got up there and they spoke, but they're clapping for them because they got up there wherever it is and they may have stuttered on every single word, but that didn't take away from The strength of their overall message.
0: And what I'm hearing you say is it's about communication. It's not about speaking fluently, it's about effectively communicating.
4: Yes, fluency is an arbitrary guideline. I mean, even the frequency guidelines that we set that we say are acceptable would be indicative of stuttering versus being fluent. I mean, if you listen to anyone who doesn't stutter, you're going to hear disfluencies in their speech. But there's something about the act of stuttering in and of itself that the listener attributes a negative perspective to, sometimes it can be innate within the person. But if we can get that person to transcend that and to understand that they can actually communicate effectively, there's a freedom within that that allows them to then understand that they can do anything they want to do and that they don't have to wait until they can speak fluently to be able to do that. And I would say to you, too, what a young man recently said to me, and that was, for all the speech pathologists that I've worked with before, every time that you asked me to try to talk without stuttering, you essentially were asking me to not talk, because when I talk, I stutter.
0: That's powerful.
2: Something that I personally get a lot, because as you mentioned, um, JD, I'm a person who stutters, but Many times when I tell people that I stutter, they will tell me, but I don't stutter that bad, or your stuttering isn't – your stuttering is not as – you know, they compare me to other people who stutter, and the idea is, well, because you don't have a lot of stuttering in your speech, you don't really stutter, quote-unquote. And I think that's just – a narrative that has been perpetuated, that there are many different examples of what it means to be a person who stutters. And as um, Courtney mentioned, you know, typically in the media, you see people who have, quote unquote, overcome their stuttering or they don't stutter as much. And I think it sends a message to people that you have to not stutter as much in order to be successful in your communication. But I think just by highlighting and showing examples of many different types of stuttering and showing examples of many people who stutter, you know, having diverse representation, I think will eradicate this belief that you you have to stutter as little as possible to be successful.
0: Can we talk about that a little more, Derek? I understand in your research, you look at intersectionality as it relates to people who stutter. Could you give us a quick working definition of intersectionality for those not familiar with the concept? And then tell me how it shows up in your research.
2: Yeah, so intersectionality is the idea that people can experience overlapping discriminations. So the term originated in 1989 by Kimberly Crenshaw, where she was talking about the experiences of Black women. And what she said was, in order to fully understand the experience of a Black woman, you can't just look at race alone or you can't look at gender alone, that both work together to create the um, experience that a Black woman would have. And so it really looks at overlapping discrimination. With people who stutter, certainly for some people who stutter, they may experience prejudice or discrimination as being a person who stutters. But if you're a person who stutters and you're a member of another um, marginalized group, let's say with race or with sexual orientation, that person may experience um, additional stigmas to their experience. I did do a study a while ago where I looked at the experiences of Black men who stutter. And certainly some of my participants talked a lot about the difficulties they experience being a person who stutters but also when you combine race in there there are certain um, different cultural groups may have different myths about what it means to stutter and also for some um, cultural groups they have certain beliefs about what it means to talk and what it means to um, talk effectively so some of my participants mentioned that when they were around other people who were of the same race they tried to stutter as little as possible because of the cultural beliefs um, in that particular group of people. Whereas when they were around people who were not a, a part of their race, then they, they, they gave themselves more permission to stutter.
0: Hmm. That's interesting.
2: I'm currently I'm working on this research right now, but even people who stutter who are members of the LGBTQ plus community. So within the National Stuttering Association, we have passing twice for people who stutter who are also members of the LGBTQ community community. And um, sometimes there may be um, additional stigmas with passing, with uh, disclosure, and uh, those types of things. So I think it's important to just realize that people who stutter, there there certainly are universal elements to the experience of stuttering, but every person who stutters experiences stuttering differently.
0: I wanted to know more about Derek's personal story. I asked him about being a Black man who stutters, and if he felt being Black influenced his experience with stuttering. You know, when I was growing
2: up, I really didn't know how to connect those dots, but I do feel like, you know, I was certainly raised during a time where people did not talk a whole lot about stuttering. And I do feel like, um, in many cases, um, when I was ever around other people who were also African American, I did try to... Hide my stuttering as much as possible because I think there was just this unwritten rule in my mind that I, in order b- to be a man meant that you were not supposed to um, be emotional, that you were not supposed to show uh, vulnerability, particularly as a black man. And so in my mind, in my young mind, stuttering was a sign of uh, vulnerability. It was a sign, um, and that was something I wasn't supposed to show, it was sort of an unwritten rule. So I think that if I had to speak to that, I think that's probably how I would describe that difference. Because in my mind, being a black man means you have to be strong, you can't be vulnerable, and stuttering sort of conflicted with that. And, and it, it certainly doesn't mean that other people who stutter also don't experience that, but I think for me, the origin of it was because of my race and my gender.
0: I think that's very interesting, and it's something that, that now you're looking at your research as well. Correct, yes. support pressure voices comes from the asha press described by kirkus review as quote a charming challenging imaginative alphabet book will induce giggles end quote asha Press's new children's book an alphabet pet parade in topsy-turvy town population 26 is a great resource to use in your therapy sessions and to share with parents educators and caregivers learn more at on.asha.org parade We're returning to our conversation with Courtney Bird, Derek Daniels, and Katie Gore. As Katie mentioned earlier, visibility can be a double-edged sword. It presents opportunities for awareness, but also for stigmatization. We know that the person's negative reaction to stuttering can be more of a challenge than disfluency, and a part of that is not internalizing negative messages. Acceptance of stuttering builds confidence in speaking. In our conversation, Courtney shares how speech-language pathologists can help foster positive attitudes towards communication and build confidence in speakers. She says that means using the word stutter with children who stutter.
4: I'll give you an example. It's, it's again, another clinical example. I mean, everything I've learned, I've learned from the people who stutter that I work with. but. I have speech pathologists who say, well, I just hesitate to tell the child that they're stuttering because, you know, they don't even seem like that they know. And I say, well, what does the research show? The research shows that they actually do know and they can know at a very young age. And so why, why are you hesitating? And, and then I explain, you know, we can't go everywhere with that child. Let's think about the child who's at the dentist's office, and this is an actual scenario that happened. This young girl went there. She was four years old, went in with her mom, and the dentist asked her her name. She said her name, and and he mocked her. He essentially said her name back to her, making fun of her for stuttering in that moment. And that child, everything in her life could change within that event because she looked at him and looked back at her mom, and she said, Oh, you're one of those people who've never met somebody who stutters before. Did you know that stuttering is neurophysiological? She said that word, that it's genetic. My uncle also stuttered. And do you have any other questions about it? I'm happy to answer it. Something like that. And and what's critical about that is that they left that appointment and she felt proud of herself. She felt that she had taught someone and her mother also felt felt a sense of relief that my child can handle this even if I'm not there. And you can juxtapose this with what's typical. And it happens far too often than any of us would like to admit, and typically what would happen is the child will look at the parent like, I I don't know what to do, and then the parent would say something in hushed tones about well something that they're just struggling with, and that parent very well could have met with a speech pathologist who said, let's not say the word, or let's call it bumpy speech, or something that's really not specific that leads the child to ask more questions and better understand what's happening, and so then they drive away from that appointment, and there's shame, fear. Uh, And that eventually can lead to frustration, anger, avoidance, and all these things that we want to try to avoid happening. But you're not going to get there by not talking about it.
0: Katie, I was hoping that I know that you've written about stuttering on screen a few times. I was hoping you could talk a little bit about stuttering in popular media.
3: Sure. This is a funny time for me to answer this question, because I've been trying to avoid, you know, watching too much TV and then watching all the movies. But um, it is always fun. And I, I love tracking whenever There's a person who stutters, a character who stutters, and a piece of fiction in particular, whether that's a book or a film or a TV show. You know, what story about stuttering is that character revealing? And a lot of times, what is in the media is sort of a reflection of where the general societal thoughts are about that. So for many, many years, stuttering was the butt of the joke, right? And you've got films like uh, My Cousin Vinny or very infamously in the stuttering community A Fish Called Wanda that had characters that stuttered that were portrayed as absolute idiots or fools. And that certainly perpetuated a stigma about stuttering. And now we're in a place, and then, you know, we have movies like The King's Speech, which was a a tremendous film and, you know, showed, showed the very human side of stuttering. We've had a wave of portrayals of stuttering where stuttering is the focus, like the king's speech, and there is this attention to it and this awareness that, you know, it is this whole life experience and it's it's got, you know, joy and pain and then struggle and challenge and all these different things. And sort of the next wave for me would be stuttering doesn't necessarily need to be commented on. And it doesn't need to be the feature of what is going on in the communication moment. It's just something the person has, much like their height or something like that. And we've had a few of those in recent years where stuttering is maybe a footnote. Uh, I particularly love the portrayal of Billy in the recent remake of It. And they do have very slight allusions to his stutter. And there's some very interesting sort of literary metaphors going on with the mouth and speaking and all of this. But it doesn't get into Billy's stuttering. It's there. It's a part of him. But that's not the center of the story. And I think that is powerful because it shows that people who stutter can go out and do all the same things that other people do and have all the same life experiences other people do. And yes, stuttering is a very unique and a very deep experience. But there potentially is a world where it's not as big of a deal as it has been in the past. But like Courtney was saying, you know, it is this uphill battle that we're having to follow. I think we're starting to see glimpses of what that future can be. And that's a wonderful goal to strive for. But we have to work to get there. But I think we're we're very slowly starting to, and it's interesting to to perhaps speculate on, will having a president who stutters be a significant catalyst for moving that forward or not? And that I don't know.
0: That's an interesting question. Uh, Derek, for you, when you look at popular media, are you looking for characters who stutter? And when you see those, are you thinking about your work and, and about stereotypes of people who stutter and intersectionality?
2: Yes, you know, I think for me, uh, Representation uh, means a lot. I often quote Beverly Daniel Tatum. She's a, a speaker of uh, race r- relations. And she wrote a book called Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria? I reference that a lot. And what she said was, imagine if you were at an event and a photographer took lots of pictures at this event. And then the photographer emailed the pictures out to everyone. And she said, well, w- w- what's the first thing you would do as you scroll through all of the pictures? She said the only correct answer is you would look for yourself in the picture. And if you kept looking at those pictures and you never saw yourself, that would be a problem. And she said, if you did find yourself in the picture, what's the second thing you would do? You would evaluate how you look in that picture. Are my eyes open? Are my eyes closed? Am I sucking in my stomach? (laughs) You know. So not only do we want to see ourselves in the picture, but we want to see ourselves represented and honored in a favorable way. So, I think when we have people who stutter in the media and, you know, in movies, TV, film, we certainly want to see different types of people who stutter, but we also want to see accurate p- portrayals. Maybe sometimes the stutter is, it could be the focus, it, as, or as Katie said, it might not be the focus. But I just think that the more diverse voices and the more diverse representation we have, I think um, the less people will. Um, resort to stereotypes. You know, I think the more we have the same type of person, the more people might think, well, all people who stutter are, are like this. So I just think it just takes more and more voices and more and more representation in all of these different media f-
0: formats. Are there any specific examples that come to mind for you as a memorable representation of on screen studying?
2: You know, probably for me, um, you really don't see a whole lot of. Um, characters. I would probably say the King's Speech is probably the closest movie that I can think of that I think, as Katie mentioned, shows the human side of stuttering. Like I know for me personally, like I experience stuttering very. I mean, certainly I experience overt stuttering, but I experience stuttering very, very internally too. So for someone to think that I've overcome my stuttering or it's not that "quote unquote" bad, I think it. Almost minimizes my experience because I experience it very, very internally. But for people to just judge it to people for people to judge it just based on the behavior, I think would be very uh, inaccurate. So I think if we're talking about representation and portrayals, it's not just about the behavior. It's about the experience that a person has. So, people need to know that people who stutter have many different types of experiences in addition to many different types of behaviors.
0: Yeah, we often hear the metaphor of an iceberg, right? Correct. The stutter being above water and other parts of the stutter being below water. Can you talk a little bit more to that?
2: Well, so you're talking about um, Joseph Sheehan's iceberg. So the idea there is that the tip of the iceberg, those are all of the overt components of stuttering. Those are things that people can see in here, and everything beneath that iceberg. Those are all things that people uh, cannot see. So your thoughts and your feelings, your self-talk, those types of things. I think... Both pieces can be stereotyped, you know, Um, certainly everything that's beneath the iceberg, those are all things that people cannot see. So that's definitely something that, you know, your thoughts, your feelings, what you tell yourself, but even above that iceberg, people, again, sometimes will assume something about a person's life experience just based on what they see and what they hear, which may not be accurate. So I think the entire iceberg needs to be taken into consideration so to speak.
0: Derek, Courtney, Katie, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, J.D.
3: Thank you, this was really lovely.
0: Interested in connecting with other speech-language pathologists to discuss stuttering? Check out ASH's special interest group four. Here's the group's coordinator, Farzana Arani. The two resources I
2: would highly recommend to speech-language pathologists interested in learning more about stuttering are first and foremost, Ashes Fluency Practice Portal page, which also provides a link to Asher's evidence map. That is an excellent resource to get you started and get your feet wet and to understand what your options are and what are the things that you can do in therapy. Another great resource that Sig4 would tout is the Perspectives Journal. A lot of the content is translational in nature in that many articles bridge research and therapy and provide more of a grounding for how you can apply the latest research in assessment and treatment of stuttering
0: asha voices is produced by the american speech language hearing association and comes from the team behind the asha leader magazine support for asha voices comes from the asha press it's the alphabet it's a pet parade it's an alphabet pet parade check out asha Press's new alphabet book an alphabet pet parade in topsy-turvy town population 26 it's loaded with language and literacy concepts such as letter names and sounds animals and occupations and comes with a glossary of animals and discussion questions learn more at on.asha.org parade production assistance for asha voices comes from pamela lawrence i'm jd gray and this is asha voices